This message by Bill Kittrell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Bill serves as a senior pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Please open your Bibles with me to uh, Matthew chapter 5, last week's text. We're looking at this week. Awkward, confusing. Welcome to Cornerstone. Matthew chapter 5. Our text is verses 13 through 16. I'm going to read for context a couple verses at the beginning of chapter 5. So we'll look at Matthew 5, 1. This is God's Word. What a gift. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 1, seeing the crowds... Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the rest of the Beatitudes are there. And down in verse 13 is our text. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Those of you who have entered His kingdom. I think the main point today is a challenge for us to increase the amount of light that is in this world. As individuals and as a congregation, increase the amount of light that is in this world. If you were at members' family night about a week ago, a little over a week ago, Jake Cronin, one of our pastoral residents, did a video for family night. He was doing evangelism down in Market Square in downtown Knoxville. And he spoke with three people and asked them questions, spiritual questions. I wasn't surprised Jake was doing this, knowing how he loves evangelism and he's very good at it. But I was surprised that he videoed it. <laughs> That's next level. 
And so it really served us, I think, as a church. Jake, on video, what is your spiritual background? There were two, two girls that spoke up. I grew up in a church, one said, but now I'm moving towards spirituality and spirit guides. The other girl, I grew up Catholic, but never felt connected to God, but now I am into spirituality. I found out I'm psychic and I can do tarot cards. Now I'm leaning towards God again and I can see ancestors and I can read people and pick up vibes. If someone's spirit guide or ancestors are around them, then I can pick up on that and and see people's lives. Jake asks, if if God asked you why He should let you into heaven, what would you say? The first girl, I lived an honest life. I'm empathetic. I feel for people. I live true to myself. I I don't lie. I don't deceive people. But it's scary because we don't exactly know what God wants for us to get to heaven. The other girl, I don't know if I could give a good reason enough. I've tried my best to love others, put them first, but not sure it's good enough. And then the, the best interview was with Bart, if you remember Bart. What's your spiritual background? I, Bart said, was I am a devout atheist. I've toyed with the agnostic thing. A lot of my friends are spiritual, but I've pushed all that away and said I'm sticking with reality I'm an atheist. Jake, if you, if you could ask God one question, what would you ask Him? I wouldn't ask Him anything. I'd yell at Him. If He's up, if He's up there, which atheists shouldn't say that. That's the question of an agnostic. I just wanted to raise my hand. Excuse me, sir. If, he's, if He is up there, He is incompetent. Not only is he incompetent, but he doesn't care. And Jake said he shared about how God cares enough to send Christ. He cares for us and loves us. And Bart's response was, I never understood Jesus. The way they make him out to be is that he's righteous, that he's one of the key figures in human history, but he says that only through him you will know the truth. Come on, Jesus. You had me until you said that. There goes your humility. Jake said, I, I shared why Jesus says that. I brought up the Ten Commandments. And Bart responded, said, the first command says, no other gods before me. One thing you realize is Bart had done his homework. Come on, is, is he that egotistical? No other gods before me? Or is... God's so insecure that he's afraid another God will step up to be better than him. If, there it is again, God was real, and he expects 100% allegiance, I will rebel. He doesn't get to make the rules. I have my own life. If God is real, he needs to find another way to communicate rather than being so authoritarian. I told him he might be surprised that much of what he thinks, Jake said, isn't in the Bible. And he encouraged him to read Mark. And Bart said, I'll read Mark if you'll read Job. Job is a horrible book. 
God makes a bet with the devil in the beginning. Then Job cries out and says, why'd you do all this to me? And God says, were you there when I created the heavens? Oh, come on. And then he cursed God and said, what a stupid answer. Now, it surprised me because Job is the perfect book for Bart. They're, they're, he, he's missing the message. The message is Job really was blameless. There really is a Satan. There are other spiritual powers in the universe. The Lord is absolutely sovereign. The Bible gives no encouragement to the idea that God is anything but all-powerful, and Job doesn't say otherwise, which would have been a nice out. But the Lord does give sobering permissions, shocking permissions that we see in the story of Job. And the question the book of Job is asking, will Job turn out to be a true believer? It's a great book for for Bart. It explains why sometimes people like Bart are allowed to live in the Creator's world if he's sovereign. And explains why the righteous suffer. Why does he allow this? So my question to the congregation is, how did you respond as you were watching these videos when Bart cursed God? Were you angry? Look, that, that video is a microcosm of the world we live in. Jake did us a great service. It was a great service. This is the world we live in. It represented our culture so well. He captured the darkness, the unbelief, the need for truth, the deception, the lack of the fear of the Lord. It's where people are today, all around us in this little video. This is the world we live in. And Jesus says, you and you alone are the light of the world. Increase the amount of light. That's the word today. Jake and his friends, evangelists in our church, are going to be at a table in the lobby afterwards. They've, they've got all kinds of materials and ideas and opportunities for you. If you want to get involved, they want to equip you so that you can increase the amount of light in the world. So let's unpack this text. The, the kingdom of heaven has come in the person of Jesus Christ but where is his kingdom visible? Where can those living in this world see Christ's kingdom? Where can they find evidence that he really is who he says he is? That he does reign? That he is the Son of God? Only in you. Only in the poor in spirit, those who mourn over sin, those described in the Beatitudes, those who have entered the kingdom of heaven, that community that we're a part of, the true church, is this countercultural community where the reign of Christ is made obvious. They're different. It's, they're different than the world. The world doesn't like it, which is why Jesus ended by saying you're blessed if you're persecuted because you're in the kingdom. And the question is, the world opposes us. How are we who are in the kingdom 
to live. And that's what he is answering. He uses two pictures, salt and light. Three points today. First of all, number one, Jesus doesn't command you to be the salt of the earth. He teaches that you are the salt of the earth. He's not commanding you. This is not an imperative. This is an indicative for all you English majors. This is a statement that he is making. You and you alone are the salt of the earth. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, to be trampled under people's feet. You, it's emphatic, you and you alone are the salt of the earth. He's applying his description of those who follow him, his disciples. He's taught what the Christian is, and now he is showing his followers how to manifest this in the world. Here's what we are. Here's what we look like. Like salt, Christians may seem small and insignificant. I'm sure you feel that way. They may seem powerless compared to others in the society where they live, but like salt, they have this incredible ability to influence culture, every segment. Salt is cheap, doesn't have much value, but it has this unusual ability. That's what you're like, that that far exceeds the value placed on it. In the first century, salt was vital. It was a vital preservative. Even in our day, salt is still used to preserve meat, to keep it from spoiling. Christians prevent the world from getting worse. Even though they're small, they're insignificant, they're cheap. (laughs) There's a rottenness in the world. There's a tendency toward pollution. The world is heading towards being offensive, more and more offensive to God. The world is fallen, it's sinful, it's bad. Evan did a great job of pointing that out. Its tendency is to evil. It's like meat that spoils. It doesn't get better. It tends to fester. And the world will never see this. Because of the darkness. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, the surprising thing is that the world is as good as it is now. That's what's surprising. God made the world perfect, but sin entered the world and sin corrupts. And Jesus says, you, you, you and you alone are the salt of the earth. You're not like the world. And and the business of the salt, which is rubbed into the meat, is to preserve it. It is so critical for our culture that we not be like our culture. 
You and you alone are the salt of the earth. We have to be in the world. We have to be salty. If we're going to stop the rottenness. No doubt you have heard of Benton's bacon. If you live in Knoxville, Tennessee, it's ubiquitous in Knoxville. It's spread to other areas, and for good reason. It's good bacon. I was surprised when I first noticed Benton's. I'd go to restaurants, and they would have Benton's bacon. I'd see it in grocery stores. I was surprised because I had known about Benton's for years. My family's farm, very close to where Benton's is located in Vaughn Orr, Tennessee. I went there as a kid. My parents regularly went to Benton's. They had friends who would come in from out of town, and we'd go to Benton's. But we weren't there buying bacon. We were buying country ham. That's what they were famous for. This bacon stuff is Johnny-come-lately. Country, country ham, many of you don't even know what it is, sad to say, is the, is the meat you see hanging from the ceiling that doesn't have to be in the refrigerator. It is preserved by salt. Sherry and I went to Benton's not long ago and actually ran into Mr. Benton. And when I said my family farm was on the little T, he said, you're a local. Nobody calls it the little T. Then we started cursing the TVA together. <laughs> he walked us through how to cook country ham. He said, people overcook it. You can write that in your notes. It doesn't need to be cooked that much. Just talking about it made me hungry. I remember my mom making country ham and biscuits and red-eye gravy and mashed potatoes and Let's all in now and go to lunch, shall we? <laughs> I also, you know what else I remember? Being thirsty for days. <laughs> if you eat country ham, you drink water. Country ham does not need on it best if served by. You can leave it out for centuries, and it will be there, and it'll be fine because it's got so much salt. Why does it have salt? Because if it doesn't, it'll spoil. You are like salt. The world around you, the people, are like meat. And they'll spoil without you. The, the more followers of Christ in the earth, the better. Not the worse. That's a lie. You hear it all the time. Christians are bad. That's not true. The world doesn't see this. They don't think this. They'll, they will persecute you. You're there for their good. Now, this point Jesus is making really doesn't need much explanation, but it, it does call for costly and radical application. The world's going to rot without Christ, without His followers, left to itself. It spoils. It needs 
the influence of the gospel or society will decay. It'll get worse. It'll get worse. And, and our text is a call to commit ourselves to being salt in our community. Cheap but effective. Your life has an effect. When you are living a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it has an effect. That's what Jesus is teaching us today through his word. Never doubt that you can impact the world, but I'm small. I'm just one person. I'm one man. I'm one woman. Never doubt it. According to his word, believe what he is saying. It's going to make a difference when you live a faithful life. It won't look like it always, if ever. But if you live a faithful life, according to God's word, in this society, it's going to make a difference. You're going to preserve your family. You're going to preserve your friends. You're going to preserve your fellow students at school, your coworkers, your teammates, your neighbors, your mechanic, your doctors. You're going to make a difference in their lives. It's so easy to get discouraged today. We seem so insignificant. And Satan lies. He lies. He lies to us. Why bother? He wants, he wants us to believe that we can be effective only if we have large numbers. Only if we have power, political power. But you know, the, the truth is seen in this illustration of the salt. Just this little, little salt, little salt of no value. The truth is, is seen in the history of the church. How powerful. How society-altering Christians are. And the Beatitudes begin recognizing weakness, don't they? Poor in spirit, meek, mourning over their sin. That's salt. The cheap, the insignificant. You've probably experienced this. You've probably gone into your place where you work or school or your extended family. You walk in the door and the language changes. The jokes change. They don't talk about God the same. Maybe on, on your job they work more conscientiously because of you. I mean, the man who led me to Christ, you couldn't even talk about eating devil's food cake around him. He hated the Duke Blue Devils. You were not allowed to root for them. And you could say, well, that's silly. And he wouldn't have cared one bit what you thought about it. And he was most definitely salty. <laughs> and before you criticize him, are you? You are the salt of the earth. You preserve society. Your, your life will protect others from becoming more and more wicked. You're, you're united to Christ. He gives you abundant life. I have come, he said in John 10, that they may have life and have it abundantly. And he gives it to you. Not only does salt preserve, but it gives food flavor. It gives life flavor. 
Zest, one translation says. Imagine what it was like when Jesus walked in the room. No one ever added more zest, more flavor to life than Jesus Christ in His humanity. Oh, it was a good thing. Maybe you've seen the, the movie Ben-Hur. It was it made the year I was born. It won 11 Academy Awards. It's from a book written by Lou Wallace. And the, the, the movie is about this Jewish aristocrat who was forced into slavery unjustly. And the story's kind of the story of his redemption. It's a tale about Jesus Christ. You never see his face. There's one point, though, he's a, he, I will never forget. He's he, Ben-Hur is a slave. They're mistreating him. He's thirsty. They won't give him any water. Christ, you never see his face, comes over, begins to give him water. The Roman centurion had said he wasn't to have water. He sees Jesus giving him water. I said no water for him. And Jesus, you just see him turn and look at the, the centurion, and the centurion just, you know, <laughs> would you like anything to eat? You know, would you? That's the effect. Jesus' very presence. Everybody's inspired. That's what he does through you. He gives you abundant life, and you walk in to situations and make a difference. You and you alone. Paul said this in Colossians 4, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. He was thinking of this text. He was thinking about the Sermon on the Mount. So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Jake's speech in the video was a, a beautiful example of this. We make Christ known through our speech. We increase the light. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, if the Christian church today spends most of her time in denouncing communism, that was, the, that was the big deal back in the day. And so he's addressing this. Christians are fighting communism. If we spend most of our time denouncing communism, it seems to me that the main result will be that communists will not be likely to listen to the preaching of the gospel. The communist has a soul. <laughs> To be saved in exactly the same way as everybody else. The moment the church begins to intervene in these political, social, and economic matters, therefore she's hampering and hindering herself in her God-appointed task of evangelism. Let, let the individual play his part as a citizen, be a good citizen, and belong to any political party that he may choose. Our business, the church, is to preach the gospel. And to bring this message of salvation to all. And thank God, communists can be converted and can be saved. Verse 13, if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything 
except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. It's worthless. If we cease to be different, we cease to be salt, we cease to be followers of Christ. It's, it's a good description of what happens when the church becomes worldly. It's no longer good for anything. It's always been a temptation. We need to be in the world, but not of the world. Many are drawn now to, to move out to the country these days. For many reasons. We need to consider we're the salt of the earth. Proverbs 18 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound wisdom. Jesus didn't pray that we'd be taken out of the world for a reason. He prayed that we'd be kept from the evil one while living in the world. Again, Lloyd-Jones, the Christian is not someone who lives in isolation. He is in the world, though he is not of it. And he bears a relationship to that world. In the Scriptures, you always find these two things going together. The Christian is told that he must be otherworldly in his mind and outlook, but that never means that he retires out of the world. The point isn't that you can't move to the country. That's not the point. The point is we can't isolate ourselves. You can isolate yourself in the city. Number two, a second point. Jesus doesn't command you to be the light of the world. He teaches that you are the light of the world. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. It gives life to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. You and you alone are the light of the world. Lord Jones says in verse 14, we have surely one of the most astounding and extraordinary statements about the Christian that was ever made. You and you alone are the light of the world. It's significant. It has profound implications. Entirely unimportant people like you and me from the standpoint of the world are the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the great light. And now he is saying, now you are the light of the world because of your union with him by faith. You're united to him he is the light of the world. You and you alone, those in his kingdom, those who have entered his kingdom by faith are the light of the world today. We, we expose the deeds of darkness. We are the light of the world when we live out this Sermon on the Mount. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden it's up on a hill. The people that were listening to Jesus on, on the mount, they understood darkness in ways it's hard for us to imagine. In the 21st century, if you live in a city, there's light everywhere. But if you live in the country, 
I grew up, my family farm was in the country. There were no cities, there were no houses. I remember dark. It's hard to find dark like that. But these folks understood dark, and they understood that a city, especially up on a hill, you could see it for miles. You and you alone are like that, especially when things are as dull, dark as they are in our culture. Evan just helped us when he talked about the need for light, where he's, he's working in a mental health facility. He's been trained in this. He sees common grace, of course, helpful things. But he also sees the need for the gospel. That's where change comes from. The, the world we live in is a very dark place. When you live in darkness, it affects your ability to see anything clearly. It's, it's hard to discern, to distinguish one thing from another. You can lose direction. Don't get mad at Bart. He lives in a dark culture. He reflects that. Don't get mad at him. People have lost their sense of right and wrong. They're blind to the, the, the consequences. Our, our culture calls evil good. They're morally confused. They, they can't see their foolishness. There's all these great discoveries in our century, but they don't see the real problem. The problem is seen, though, by the ordinary Christian. He really understands and knows more than the greatest expert. You are the light of the world. You and you alone. Again, Lloyd-Jones, the sole cause of the troubles of the world is nothing but man's estrangement from God. That, that is the light which only Christians have and which they can give to the world. Man has been so made by God that he cannot truly live unless he is in a right relationship to God. He was made like that. So the truth for Bart is like you don't make the rules because you're not the creator. Your life, you, are a gift from God. He has the right to be an authority and make the rules, and you will never be right until you're right with Him. He was made by God. He was made for God. And God has put certain rules in His nature, just the way the universe is made. And, and he's, he's put certain rules in his nature, his being, his existence, and unless he conforms to them, he's bound to go wrong. 
And that is the whole cause of the trouble. Every difficulty in the world today can be traced back in the last analysis to sin, selfishness, and self-seeking. That's the truth. What men and women need is a new nature. So they'll love the light and not, not hate the light and love the darkness, but they need a new nature. That's the problem. They have to be born again. And Christ has come to make that possible. He bore the guilt of sinfulness. He offers new life. He doesn't just pardon past sins. He does do that, but he makes new men and women. You and you alone are the light of the world. Finally, Jesus teaches us in this text, number three, that you are, (laughs) you are God's plan for his redeeming work in the world. You and you alone. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's his plan. That's God's plan. What a joy for us. After all he's done for us, what a joy to have a mission. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Let them see what Christ has done. Let them come into your home. Let them see you on your job. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven for what he has done. That's how we function in a culture like ours. We don't put it under a basket. That's ridiculous. Jesus is talking to people who understand. They light a a candle at night. Don't put it under a basket. You don't try to hide the light. It's made to give light. We have greater opportunities today than the church has had for centuries because of how dark it is. And and don't begrudge that. Realize in God's providence, He's put us here today. And we have this wonderful Opportunity. If you, if you are a woman with a high view of Scripture who is determined to follow Christ, you are different. And you have opportunities in this culture today that women throughout history, throughout church history, have never had. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You and you alone. I'm looking forward to being with the women Tuesday night at our legacy meeting. Please still come, even though I'm going to be there. (laughs) We'll be talking about friendship. You are entirely unlike the world. I, I really am looking forward to being there if for no other reason than to tell you that. You are the salt of the earth. We'll be seeking to serve you like we always do in Legacy. Jake and Bethany especially, they work so hard just to serve you and equip you, and that's we're going to try to encourage you. 
so that you can shine before others for the glory of God. Don't don't be a woman who's just another self-centered, self-focused, selfishly ambitious woman. Be different. When you're at the grocery store and you've got those three little kids running around and you're just trying to keep them from being arrested (laughs) and people are looking down their nose at you like, you know, get with the program. That's not really what we're doing today in our culture. Just remember, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. When you're at the office, you've got a picture of your husband on your desk, and you mention you're excited about going away with him for the weekend. You clearly respect him and love him. You're the light of the world. If you're a single woman who isn't immoral and is content in Christ, you're a unicorn. You and you alone are the light of the world. For the glory of God, may we increase the amount of light in this world. You can't be hidden. If you're a true believer, you can't be hidden. You can't escape notice. You will be salt. You'll be like a city set on a hill. Let no one tell you otherwise. You will be persecuted. Rejoice. You're fulfilling his plan of redemption in this world you live in. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Lord, we desire to follow Christ and to make him known for your glory. And so, Lord, we pray that this text, Lord, would accomplish the purpose that you have for it and that we as individuals and we as a congregation would increase the light in our community, that we would make the gospel known, that Christ Jesus would be known, that his gospel would be known, and that it would preserve and change people in our community for their good, Lord, and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Bill Kittrell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.